Hello, and welcome to Shuffle Buddies. Hello. I am Chris. <laughs> I'm Casey. And we're the Shuffle Buddies, I guess. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're buddies who shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> it is the early... No, it's not. It's mid-February. Oh, I, was, I thought you were going to talk about like the time of day. No, like, it's, it's not. It's not that early. It's, it's like, n- what is it? 11-17. It's 11... Well, this is very specific. It's 11-17 on February 13th. I was going to say it's early February, but it's mid-February, yeah. and tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Oh my gosh, it's the 13th today? Mm-hmm. I did not realize that. I didn't oh, realize that Oh, it's Valentine's Day yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> Whatever, it's a trash holiday. <laughs> okay. I still got you a card though. <laughs> well, I got you something too. But I'll be teaching as well that night. Oh, that's so it's... right. That's right. You got a big day tomorrow. Not the most romantic Valentine's Day ever, but... No. We're romantic every day. Yeah. We don't need Valentine's every Day. Every day is Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we just came into this recording hot off of a play of a game that I really love that I just shared with you. Yeah. And that is Concordia. Yeah. It was awesome. I can't believe I hadn't played it until like last night. Yeah. I can't either. And <laughs> it's kind it, of like Dominion. It is. It's like, I can't believe I haven't played that game for so long. I think I was always intimidated by it. They both have giant boxes. Yeah. And I just thought that they were going to be big and difficult, and it was not. Not at all, no. I think the box is not super appealing. So Concordia is a game where you are trading resources around kind of the Mediterranean during the Roman ages, and that's kind of the theme, but the theme is almost meaningless to the game. It really is. (laughs) I was like, could have fooled me. (laughs) The only reason I know that is just because it's a map, so it has like the names of places. Yeah, so I think maybe that's part of the reason it's hard to pull it off the shelf and be like, you're going to love this one because of the theme or anything like that. Right. But it's just an amazing, smooth game. Yeah, just so chill. It's designed by Mac Gertz. Which but I was just going to say, we don't need to get too far into it because I really want to do a whole episode yeah. about it because I really like it. I want to dig into it more, but that's what we were playing this morning. Yeah, but it's one that I've been meaning to pull off the shelf. Like, I think I've told you we should play Concordia a lot. Probably. And we just never got around to it. And finally, I was just like, you know what? Now's the time. You already there, had it out on the table. There's a new solo expansion that was released. So I had pulled it out to play with that and it was just set up on the table and I played it and I was just like, God, this is such a good game. I think I told you, I'm like, I want to play this game with you and you were just like okay and yep. then we did and it was so easy i should have done it a long time ago <laughs> i know i told you that's what you got to do to get me to play <laughs> just ask yeah Be like i want you to play this game instead of leaving it up to me <laughs> okay well we will do a full episode about it i've got a lot of content we've got multiple maps to play oh yeah there's a little expansion that adds the the most premium of spices salt which becomes a wild resource that you can use. Ooh. And then there's also the solo expansion added a cooperative version. Oh, fun. So I'm not sure how that works at all, but yeah. all of that to come. So at some point, we'll round back and talk really in depth about Concordia. But until then, Concordia by Mac Gertz is a fantastic game. Yeah, and it's on Board Game Arena, right? Because you played it with your dad? Nope, I played it with my dad in person last time he was visiting. Okay. But it does have a great iOS port. (gasps) Is there an app? Yep. I'm going to download it right now. (laughs) 
and a uh, it's on Steam. I believe it's on Switch, and that app is really well done. It just came out probably a few months ago. Nice. Um, yeah, so I'm always looking for new apps. Yeah, I've been looking for ways games. to get Concordia played, and boy, have I had my prayers answered because <laughs> there's a lot of ways to play it now. <laughs> All of a sudden, oh dang, it's ten bucks. It's worth it. It's a fine. I'll do it. Fine, fine app. Ten bucks. That's nothing. I mean, I don't even feel the pain anymore. All I have to do is press my finger and be like, yeah, sure, charge me 10 bucks. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm so good at budgeting. <laughs> well, speaking of budgeting, oh, another game that I have been playing and loving is Railways of the World. Yeah, that's a good one. It's actually designed by one of my favorite designers, Martin Wallace and glenn drover who are both really good designers actually and it's published by eagle griffin games okay railways of the world is kind of a light train operations game basically in railways of the world you are building track developing a network of trains and then actually delivering the goods as well yeah so it kind of goes one step further than like a ticket to ride where you're just kind of establishing the routes you have to establish routes and then also and kind then of deliver. move these yeah, goods around the board. So you really want to set up a really good network, being able to deliver goods, make income, there's loans. It's a game that I really have always enjoyed, but it was a little bit of a step up from something like Ticket to Ride or Pandemic or kind of like these light intro games. But I pulled it out when my dad was visiting once and we played it and it was a ton of fun. And then recently it was added to Board Game Arena. Mm-hmm. And that really inspired me to get everyone on board, yeah. no pun intended. I think I have realized that it is actually really easy to teach people because I was I was teaching my nephews who are, you know, around the ages of 10 or so. Um, 10 to 12, 13. Yeah, they're 11, getting up there. They're, I know, they keep getting older. They do. It's funny how that works. I know. It's like uh, every time I try to remember their age, it's always, I'm always like a year or two behind. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's why I never try and guess because I'm always behind. (laughs) But I taught it to my nephews and by the midpoint of the game, they were so into it and they were so engaged. In fact, in the first game, the younger nephew was already kind of getting ahead of me on the points and income, Yeah. even though I was kind of playing the long game and I knew my network was going to hold up better (laughs) in the long run. And he was kind of talking smack. So I was like, all right, you guys, if you can beat me in this game right now, I will buy you a copy of this game and send it to you. And all of a sudden, both of them just got really quiet. (laughs) (laughs) And it got really serious. And of course, I did end up winning. Um, (laughs) But I was totally serious. If they would have won, I would have bought it for them. And, so, and now you're probably going to buy it for him anyway. Yeah, I, I'm sure I will. But don't let them hear that. Yeah, don't, it's a secret. So don't <laughs> let them. They're, they're a few episodes behind, so they won't hear it. Um, it's just a really simple to play, but there's just a lot of game space to explore and kind of play in different ways. And so yeah. it's one of my favorite train games. And I just love it because there's so many different maps and we have Portugal and Japan, Mexico, and there's just a bunch of different maps to play. So it's kind of adds variety. All of those maps add a little tweak to the rules here and there. Yeah. I totally recommend Railways of the World. Yeah. And it's just fun. It adds a little bit more complexity. Like there's a couple layers of complexity on top of just building the rails. Mm -hmm. It, continues to be like engaging and entertaining even after several plays for sure yeah so what have you been up to oh work (laughs) (laughs) 
just work. I'm reading a lot of management books for work. Mm, exciting. <laughs> I know. So that's kind of like where my life is at right now. I love it though. All of them are very interesting. I'm reading first Break All the Rules and then I'm starting to read The Messy Middle. Yeah, my life is not super <laughs> uh, interesting right now, but it's fun. I very much enjoy it. And then still watching The Nanny. Uh, we also started watching After Party. Oh, yeah. After hearing an interview with Jean Ralphio and <laughs> Sam. <laughs> I don't remember their real names. <laughs> ben Schwartz. And then who is the other guy? I really like him. He was on The Detroiters. And he's been in a bunch of things. I feel like was he in Veep? And, and I feel like he always kind of plays a by the book. Sam Richardson. Oh my gosh, it is Sam. Oh, they're both so good. I really like them both. But there was like an interview. I don't know if it was like on Fresh Air, but it was an interview with the two of them. And we're like, what is this show that they're talking about? Because it sounded like it was like a murder mystery. And each character had their own kind of focused episode. And each episode had like a different thing movie theme to it to view it through so it was kind of like one was uh musical one was kind of like fast and the furious style mm -hmm, all about mm -hmm. family <laughs> one was kind of like a psychological thriller i think the one we just watched was kind of like a high school teen comedy yeah all of them are you know as soon as the episode starts you kind of like figure out what this one's going to be in terms of like what genre it's going to cover yeah, it has a ton of cool, like a ton of great people in it. Tiffany Haddish plays the main detective. It's just really fun. I like it a lot. Apple TV is really bringing it. It's been amazing. Yeah, I've, I I wish it would come out faster because we keep watching it like one or two episodes at a time and it's just not quite enough. Yeah, I want to binge it. Yep. I want to know who the murderer is. But I guess that's, I guess it's working because we're watching it and we're... I know. Usually I have gotten, I've fallen so out of coming back to a show like week after week. I'm just not used to it and it's hard to keep my attention. But if we're watching it together, I do a lot, I'm a lot better at going back to it because it's something we have together. Yeah. I feel like there's another show on Apple TV that is coming out. That was random. That's... That was just like me thinking out loud where I was like, I feel like there's another one, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> so you're welcome for that. Um, I don't know. Just like, oh, just trying to get through winter. February is the worst. You're just in the depths of winter. It's gray. And I've just been inside. I did get to meet my mom and my brother's girlfriend and her sister yesterday for like yeah. a little girl's day. That was fun. I've just been all over the place. I keep, I'm kind of rambling right now. That's kind of how my brain feels. It's very just like unfocused and rambly. Like it's just winter. It is. Oh, I'm doing a puzzle. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, the puzzle you pulled out. Well, actually, you bought it from a local store. Yeah. Oh, just... my gosh. I love our neighborhood so much. Like I just walked down the street and I was like, I really want a puzzle. And I knew it's like a little gift shop. And they had a ton of puzzles to choose from. And I chose the hardest one. You chose a nice... Charlie Harper bird puzzle. Bird, yeah. It looks kind of like Frank Lloyd Wright meets Wingspan. I mean, that's kind of what Charlie Harper was all about. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it was like a mid-century artist who did a lot of animals and stuff, and he it's, had a very graphic style. Yeah. It's a lot of li like sharp lines, long lines, um, and then it's kind of like an oval in the center, but then all of the outside pieces are just blue. Yeah. And so there is no identifying marks <laughs> on like the outside chunk of it and so it's just blue pieces 
that's the part I'm saving for last. <laughs> but you did open it up on a leave of the table. So you've just had it out for days and during coffee breaks, during yeah. lunches. Oh, it's when you're going nice... to bed, brushing your teeth, you'll just keep, just keep grab at a piece. it. Yeah. A friend came over and you guys had wine and puzzles for a little while. Oh, that was so awesome. We were just going to have kind of like a, a short little happy hour. And then she ended up staying until like 830 because we were just having a couple Doing glasses puzzles. of wine and puzzling. <laughs> It was super fun. We barely talked. <laughs> we were just sitting there focused on the puzzle. I really liked it. I think I might I might become a puzzle person. Yeah, it's so interesting because it's like you're making something. You're putting something together. You have output, but then it's nothing. Yeah. Right? Because then you just put it away and you're done. Because I'm not going to... I mean, I feel like when I was little, I used to glue puzzle. We used to glue the puzzles, you know, and then I'm just... I'm not, I'm not going to do that. We have so many pieces of art that we haven't even hung yeah, on the I wall am. yet. Or the walls. We have more than one wall in our house. <laughs> and so, but yeah, it's so interesting because you're just like, I want to get this done. It feel it reminds me of the feeling I get when I'm sewing something. And it's like, I want to finish to have the finished product. And this one, it's like, I want to finish. And then I'm just going to destroy it and put it in a box and probably give it away to somebody. Well, and that's be done fine. With it. I mean, it's, it's so experience. weird. It's like a game. It's just like something you play to finish. And then when you're finished, you yeah. have had your experience and you can pass it along. Yeah. It's like a whole new thing. I'm so used to having something at the end. It's This one is entirely about the journey, mm -hmm. which I think is good. It's a nice meditation. Yeah. It's really nice in the morning. Uh, just a cup of coffee and sitting there, no screens, not looking at Slack. Yeah. Before all the, the notifications start. <laughs> it's been nice. I like it. Maybe I'll have to go buy another puzzle today because I'm almost done. Well, you said it's about the journey, which, yeah. which makes me... <laughs> Which so makes me think about the epic journey. Oh yeah, that um, that we've had. So epic! Epic is for me in quotes. <laughs> also, journey is in quotes. <laughs> well, the game we're going to talk about today is Sleeping Gods, mm -hmm. and uh, I have already talked about it a little bit, summing up how to play. So I'm going to cut over to myself, and then we'll be right back. Sounds good. Hey. All right. So, Sleeping Gods, designed by Ryan Lauket, with art by Ryan Lauket, published by Red Raven Games. All right. So, Sleeping Gods is a huge game, and I'm not going to be able to cover everything that happens in a game of Sleeping Gods. This is just going to give you a general sense of how it works. So, the year is 1929, and you play the captain and crew of a ship called the Manticore, which has been mysteriously whisked away to the Wandering Sea, a magical archipelago full of fantasy and adventure. During a game of Sleeping Gods, you're going to explore the archipelago, complete quests, solve puzzles, have combat encounters, and collect allies and items, including these powerful and story-relevant items called totems. As I said, in Sleeping Gods, you don't really play a character. You play Captain Odessia and all eight of her crew. You have access to all of these characters during a turn, so it's really just playing out their adventure instead of playing out a specific character. Each turn in Sleeping Gods starts with a ship action, where you move a little worker around the ship where you can perform small actions to heal or gather an item or two, but mainly you're collecting command tokens, which are a very important resource for improving your chances of surviving on this adventure. Then after the ship phase, draw and resolve a card from the event deck, which will either have a small positive or negative interaction, depending on your luck. 
the bulk of your turn sees you taking two actions out of a very few possible actions, actually. You might move your ship, explore a location, or trade with some locals. When you travel in Sleeping Gods, you actually move a ship piece across an actual illustrated map in the game book. If you sail off the edge of a page, you arrive on a different page. It really gives the world an expansive feel. If you were to lay all these small maps together, you'd actually get a world map that's approximately three and a half by four and a half feet. So it's a pretty huge world. The map is also full of numbered locations. And when you arrive at one of these to explore, you consult a massive storybook to see what happens. These explorations can be anything from a modest skill test that will either minimally reward or punish you to multi-part adventures full of combat, loot, and story. Earlier I mentioned command tokens, which you can use to spend at any point during your turn to activate items, use character abilities, or manipulate skill checks. And these skill checks occur pretty often in Sleeping Gods, most often while traveling or adventuring, and they're usually presented in the choose-your-own-adventure style bits of the story. Less often you'll find yourself in combat encounters, although it still happens frequently. Combat is pretty straightforward. Enemies in each encounter are cards laid out in a line. The bottom half of each card is a grid of hit locations, and as characters attack, they lay damage onto the grid, covering up icons that would give the enemies abilities when they counterattack. Once you cover all of the enemy's vital locations onto the grid, it's defeated. And that's pretty much all I can say. You travel, you explore, you gain allies and items, you fight monsters, and you perform skill tests. The game progresses until you finish three passes through the event deck, and when the game is over, you're given one of many possible endings. You're also given a score, which you can use to unlock new items and quests that you'll have access to right off the bat if you choose to play through the campaign again. Which is pretty cool because the game is massive and you could probably play through several times without visiting the same locations again. And all of that together should give you a pretty decent peek at how to play Sleeping Gods. Hey! Alright, I think right up front, I just want to say there might be spoilers in this segment. I think oh, some people yeah. might be concerned that... Because uh, it is kind of like a discover yeah. like it's kind of like a i don't know go here and find out yeah and we'll and, probably tell you some of the things we found out and i'm not going to recite a story or anything like that but i also feel like in order to talk about it i don't want to have to be like super cagey and just be like well maybe something happens <laughs> or you know like that so maybe we'll get a cat i'll probably be pretty upfront with talking about some of the bigger points of the journey mm-hmm. um, that really are more about the structure, but they do relate to the story, I think, in a, lot, in a big way. And I'll probably reference some specific scenarios. So I just wanted to put a spoiler warning right here. If you don't want to hear anything about Sleeping Gods before you play call. it, then you can turn the podcast off. Maybe I should leave. <laughs> uh, okay, well. Right off the top. Right off the top. Chris is going to have a whole lot more to say about this game than me. And why is that? I didn't, I didn't like it. You didn't like it. <laughs> well, you know what? Okay. So, and the reason you have more to say, it's not just because I didn't like it. You played it a whole lot more than I did. Yes. Um, I played three times, which doesn't mean anything because I just sat at the table and was on the journey at three separate times. Right. Um, which was probably a grand total of maybe a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And the first night was like kind of like the walkthrough. Yep. Um, and I was like, oh, this is cool. I really like the art. Like, I just like, I'm just like, ooh, this is going to be a journey. I'm going to be engrossed and it's gonna, I'm going to be like riding the seas and I'm going to feel it. And um, 
I was ready to go. And then I think we played it the next day with a friend that Mm -hmm. came over and the three of us were playing and it's a cooperative game. Right. And you could play it solo. You could play it with other people. And so the three of us were playing and I am just not a decisive person, but I do like cooperative games because I feel like you get to talk to each other. Even if it's your turn, you still get to kind of ask for input. And like sometimes you could just be like, I already know what I'm doing. I'm going to do this. Y'all cool with that. And sometimes you can be like, oh, I don't know. What do you all think? Like, should I do this? Or I don't know. I don't know what it was about that day. I was just like, I needed help deciding because I I just had no idea what I was doing. I had mm-hmm. no idea what the end goal was. I had no idea where we were going. There's like three or four different things you do on your turn. And I couldn't see how they totally related to each other. And so I always was like, well, I don't know. What do you think I should do? And both you and our friend were just like, I don't know. You have to decide. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I hate this. And so that just put me in a bad mood. So I just, I didn't get super into the story. And then the, I was just not feeling it. But we played and it was, I was just like, okay, I guess we did something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then the next time we played, it was just you and me. And it was basically the same thing where I was just like, there's no flow. I didn't feel, I didn't get in a rhythm. I didn't feel the flow. The story was very sparse. I didn't get in, I couldn't get into the story. They have like a certain amount of characters and it's like the characters, you don't play the same characters all the time or you split them up. I don't know. I'm kind of talking a lot right now just about like how I was feeling when I was playing it, but I just could not get into this. And I think I've started to realize, I don't know if I'm into these like storytelling games. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not, I don't set myself into the right mindset. It's like, I always think they're going to be more exciting than they are. But, ah, oh, man, I just couldn't get into it. I just felt like I was like, what was the point of that? I just played this for an hour and I'm just like, I got nothing from it. Right. <sighs> Which is fine. And so I wanted to like, let, let you say your piece yeah. <laughs> before I didn't want to like argue with you or anything like that. Oh, like, no, totally. Because I mean, there's nothing to argue. Yeah. But I do want to, I think I want to come back to a lot of those points and just talk about some of those points. But I didn't want to talk about them in the middle. I wanted oh, to totally. just like. I was just going to say, also, I think. Something that could have helped when it was like the three of us was just having one person in charge of the story. Mm-hmm. Th- that storybook, I hate the way it's laid out because <laughs> it's like they don't they reference like um, like reference numbers, basically. And it's like, oh, go to story 10.2. And I'm like, well, where the frick is 10.2? Because it's not on page 10.2. Right. And it doesn't tell you what page it's on. So then you're just like flipping through this book trying to find 10.2. <laughs> and then you're just like passing the book around. And everybody has like a different cadence. And I'm just like, I think if you would have just been in charge of that, Mm -hmm. maybe it would have flowed a little bit better. I was just like not, just not feeling it. Yeah. Okay. Now I'll let you speak your piece. Well, I think that's totally fair. Just to put it in context, my experience Mm -hmm. is, because Casey said she played a few hours, you know, that was kind of hers. So here's just an overview. This is my CV of Sleeping Gods. I just adjusted my glasses <laughs> to look smart, but this is you my CV right now. of Sleeping Gods experience. Well, Sleeping Gods is a campaign game mm-hmm. and it took me seven plays to f- complete the campaign. Every one of those plays averaged two or three hours per play. Jeez, so I would so estimate much. it probably took me around <laughs> 15 or 20 hours to beat the campaign. Mm-hmm. You can play as, as long as you want per session, but I just happen to usually play in a bigger chunk like that. Yep. During the game, I visited seven out of the 10 maps that are in the game. 
just even visit them, just even touch them. I probably moderately explored three or four of them, and that's out of 10 that are in the book. There's 180 quests, and I got about 30 of them. I completed 30 of them. Oh, wow. I fought about 20 different monsters, I would guess, out of a total of 78 possible in the deck. I collected seven of these special totems, which are kind of one of the goals of the game, and I saw there was 75 to collect. Oh, my gosh. That's um, so much. <laughs> and even though I own the expansion, I never set foot into it. I never interacted with any of it just because I was kind of exploring the main space of the game. And you started playing on your own kind of after I dropped out. Correct. So it was like you started in the co-op mode and then you changed into just solo mode. Yes. And, and so when, I just continued right off the games that yeah. we started. And then while we were playing the co-op mode, I think we didn't really know what we were doing. Yes. We were kind of aimless. We're just like, I don't know. I guess we'll go over here and check this out. Uh-huh. And then we're like, well, the thing that we want isn't here. So let's let's check there. And it's not there. Okay, let's check over there, over there, over there, over there. And then we went around a whole island, didn't find what we were looking for, just got beat up. And yeah. we're like, well, I guess now we have to go back to this other port to try to heal. And it was just like, I think we were just so aimless. Yes, we we were very aimless to start. And, and, it, and it makes sense because it drops you in a world and it just kind of says like, here's a couple of things to do gives you a couple pointers but then you can literally sail in any direction mm -hmm. explore anywhere um it just gives you a whole open world you kind of have to like poke around to figure out what you're trying to do yeah but i think what we learned or what you told me later was basically like oh as soon as they say like you should go check this out we should just go there and check it out right away yes because we were like okay we should check that out but maybe on the way we can do these other things and it's like we should have just gone straight there Yep. So after the game where you were just like, I don't think I really want to play this. Yeah. I wasn't for one, I wasn't going to fight and be like, no, 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 we have to keep playing. <laughs> because like if somebody's not enjoying a game. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely not in the school where it's like you need at least 10 plays before you'll enjoy something. If somebody doesn't enjoy it on the first play, maybe we'll play it a second. If they don't enjoy it after the second, then I'm just like, cool. We'll play There's no game. reason to play this. We got a million other games to play. Totally. But for me personally, I was like not having a great time like it it did feel kind of meaningless like the quests were a string of interactions but they weren't like a cohesive story that was leading somewhere at that point yeah um yeah. and so it was like the difference between just like story versus setting and it was more setting where we'd have encounters with random creatures or random people and and things would happen but it wasn't like a narrative arc or anything was starting to emerge right so I was kind of like, eh, I don't really know if I like it either, but it plays solo and I feel like I want to just continue and and maybe push a little harder on myself yeah. and just see where it goes. Well, and you have a different relationship with games because mm -hmm. you're you are so interested in games for the sake of games right where a lot of us are in it for entertainment yeah you know and it's like oh i don't want to play a game that isn't fun because that's a waste <laughs> of time for me but for you there's just so much more that goes into it where you're like well i really want to see where this goes i want to learn more about what makes this game tick or i want to see what's available right and it's like it's there's a whole lot more there for you yeah so i did start pushing and i think once the game did start to like crystallize as a larger whole, first of all, the game instantly became more engaging when I controlled every single character and I made every decision and I read everything because yeah. it was a weird um, 
the way they kind of divide the characters up and you control these three and you control these three and you control these three and we all control the captain. Um, but then all of them are usable by everybody else. Yeah. On every turn you can use all of them, but you kind of have to like ask permission and spend these command tokens. Yeah, so weird. Um, once you have access to all of them on your turn and it's just, it becomes like more of a, a management game where you're just like, I have a finite amount of resources. Basically I can use each of these characters a couple times before they're exhausted. How am I going to push as hard as I can into the adventure before I have to rest? And it's kind of like this management game where you're like really figuring out when you should do things and when it's okay to just take the penalty instead of like exhausting a character or something like that. And so once I just had access to everything, it just gave me a lot more to do. I wasn't sitting through turns where I wasn't the active player involved. Also reading the story aloud versus reading it to myself was so much faster. Mm -hmm. I just could read it instantly. I could glance at it. I could look at the options. I could choose an option. Um, I was having encounters at a speed that was like four times faster than when we were in person. Yeah. Um, So I was making more decisions faster, making more decisions because I had access to more things to make decisions with. And I think all of those things combined kind of became more and more engaging. And I kind of saw the spark that was really interesting in the game. And so, yeah. And like you said, one of my big realizations was do not... Just like in real life, it's almost like common sense, like go in the directions that you're directed and don't just like go knocking on every door because, (laughs) yeah, don't dilly dally. Like the game gives you a couple quests (laughs) and like head to towns. It almost works like a MMORPG, like World of Warcraft Mm -hmm. or a game like all these open world video games where there's kind of like hubs of activity. You go there, talk to everybody, get as many quests and leads as you can. And then choose the ones you're going to go and adventure on and then shoot out in that direction and try and just conquer as much as you can. Mm-hmm. I think we were approaching it as more of just like, a, oh, it's, it's an exploring game. It's like a story game. We'll just explore and mm-hmm. see what happens. And, and when you start, like you're sitting in this ocean, it does take actions and time to just move to locations so some of those turns are just going to be like traveling twice or something like that yeah which there's a couple stories to interact with or you know encounters to interact with but they're not incredibly interesting or difficult puzzles or anything it's just like you are in a storm do you want to try to sail through it or batten down the hatches and wait or something and then one like yeah. does a couple of damage and one exhausts a character and you're just like well I guess I'll do this one. And then, right. So those turns when you're in a group, that might be Casey's whole turn. And then on my turn, I'm like, okay, well now that we're at this location, I'm going to have this big adventure and I'm going to go into this cave and I, you know, Casey will technically be there with me. Right. Um, but I'm just sitting listening. Yeah. And it's like, more yeah, like yeah. you're kind of looking at your characters and you'd be like, oh, my character can do this. Maybe mm-hmm. I could help. But you know, you're less engaged when you're the one doing all those things. Those movement turns don't become your whole turn. They just become like, the movement on the way to something, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like there are other games that we've played that are kind of cooperative like that. And then you're looking at your cards and being like, oh, well, I have this person and I can help you do this thing. Yeah. And I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. But even like the Goonies, I know it's another storytelling game. I like that better than this. Hmm. And I still didn't like that one. That <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was fine. That was fine. But I just feel like 
Um, or even like Mar- I'm looking at Marvel Champions, like sometimes you, when you're in the mm-hmm. co-op mode, you help each other, yeah. you know, or with Bullet Heart in the co-op mode, you can help each other. And I don't mind that at all, where it's just kind of like, oh, well, I have this, I can help you out in this way. But for some reason, it was just like such low investment. It's just like, I guess my person has one more strength than your person. So we could use my person, I guess. Yeah. It was, it was like, ugh. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed, it was just like, meh, whatever. Yeah. With the co-op mode, with more than one person. Mm -hmm. And over the course of my 20-hour journey, I went from being like, I don't really like this, and I'm not a big, like, narrative game person, but it was kind of, it's kind of been a phenomenon and just, you know, a lot of people talking about it and stuff like that. And I'm I'm just really curious. And I'm also really impressed that Ryan Lockett is a one man you know his wife helps as well but like he does the artwork he does the writing he does the game design he does everything so i just think that's really impressive to make something of this scope as a one person thing and it's not like he's been a lot i mean he probably has been working on this for like five or years or something but he releases a lot of games so this isn't like he's been working on this nonstop, only this for a long time he's released many games and this is just the newest one in that line of games Mm -hmm. and so i was just like this is really impressive i just want to see how it works yeah and over the course of those 20 hours, I was like, the the um, the game is kind of divided in three parts. It's like there's the ship and crew management part. Then there's the story part where you get somewhere, you open the storybook and actually like start reading the well, story. Isn't there in between there, you have to draw that card or is that just part of ship management? And so it's ship management and then every turn you um, resolve an encounter. So yeah. that's... That is what I consider. Once I started playing that, I'm like, that is a tax that is exhausting your crew. It's making you kind of like slowly lose resources through attrition. And so that's basically forcing you to eventually need to like go back to port and recharge or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, so you do the crew management. And so when I say crew management, that's like moving around the ship. Mm -hmm. It's doing the encounter. And then it's, it's basically being like, what actions on my crew can I use to help people refresh themselves or give me a better advantage in this challenge or something like that? So it's just like managing all these. I mean, it's nine different crew members that you're managing. So when I'm doing that solo, that's like half the table is just my crew. Right. And I'm looking at, it's basically a giant tableau of actions. And that's what I literally considered it. It didn't become a crew anymore. It became, here is my tableau of actions. And so I was either choosing to use the one that lets me heal or the one that lets me fight or the one that lets me do whatever. So the first part is the crew and ship management. The second part is having an adventure where you read a story. And that part is kind of like a choose your own adventure. And again, you know, you don't know what's going to happen when it asks you if you want to do a challenge or a test to, to trust this guy or to fight this guy or to run away. You're just kind of being like, well, I feel like I have enough resources that if I trust him, and something bad goes happen, I'll still be okay. Or Mm -hmm. I'm really low on health and resources. I probably should just cut my losses and run at this point. So that story part is really just reading stories and making decisions like that based on how much you think you can mitigate the outcome or, you know, you really need to do those story parts, but they're kind of like the least amount of decision space in the game, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the final part is the combat, which I thought was really interesting and fun, but it is its whole separate thing. It's more of like a puzzle game where you have this grid of hearts and you're basically just saying like, 
where can I do damage strategically that I'm not going to oh, be yeah. where I'm not going to immediately take a counterattack and die. So basically it's like this guy does the most damage. I'm going to cover up his damage dealing spots. This guy helps heal. So I'm going to cover up the things where you can heal. Now that those are covered, I'm going to take out this guy and this guy and this guy in this order because they hit that hard or something like that. Once you have access to the whole crew, yeah, you can really kind of do the damage really strategically and, and you can there's those synergy tokens you pass along and you can be like, okay, I'm going to start with this one because they hit really well, which will hand the accuracy to this person who does lots of damage and then they'll be more likely to hit. And the combat is kind of its own thing, but it is a satisfying puzzle and I'm glad it's not a full-on dungeon crawl, miniatures on the table, something that takes a long time because even the biggest combat in sleeping gods once i got good at it like a final encounter took 15 minutes you okay. know it was like a big encounter it, it took a little bit but it didn't take an hour it didn't take 30 minutes even it was quick yeah um, and i think that's probably the right size for something like that so once i was doing it solo and i got into the story and i figured out like okay get quests complete quests tie up loose ends do everything like that as fast as possible um, you kind of go through this encounter deck once and then something happens. And this is where I'm going to really spoil things, I guess. If you don't want to hear it, this is a good time to tune out again. You go through the encounter deck once and like a monster attacks you and then you basically make a new encounter deck mm -hmm. and you go through it again. And then I realized that when I was searching for the story where I was like, how am I going to find the true story and follow this epic quest yeah i was like oh i see what's happening here i'm gonna have to fight this monster at the end of the third in encounter deck because the first one was just like a little taste of a fight and then the second one was a bigger fight and then the third one is going to be a final showdown and i just intuited that from my video game knowledge or something i guess yeah or just knowledge of games or i was just like i see what's happening here and what this game is, is it is a game where it's 54 turns, basically. And what you're supposed to do is, in 54 turns, how strong can you get? How many secret items can you find? How many quests can you complete? How much XP can you get and level up your guys? All of this is in the effort of coming to a conclusion that is inevitable. It's going to be the same no matter what happens. You're going to reach the end and you're going to have this final showdown. At that point, I wasn't like... I wonder where the big important story is. I was just like, all that matters is do quests that seem like they're going to have really good rewards, really meaningful rewards. Get as many of these epic totems because obviously that's going to have some effect on the end game. And they're really good. Like there's a totem that, you know, we were traveling around really slowly. Yeah. And you were kind of like, oh man, we're doing nothing but traveling. But then I got a totem that let me warp to any port. Oh, that's nice. I mean, that instantly truncated the world to a point where I can go anywhere. It didn't even have to be a port I had explored before. So if somebody said like, hey, can you go to here? I just look at the map, look for the closest port, even if I've never been there and been like, okay, I'm using this totem to just warp there. Yeah. And that happened immediately upon you quitting the game. Like <laughs> that was like the <laughs> next quest that happened. But That would have been nice. But it's possible to play that game and never, ever get that totem because you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. Which I think is, again, something I realized about this game. It's like, if none of them are mandatory, then none of them can be so important that they are truly meaningful, if that kind of makes sense. It's kind of like, yeah. if all of them are optional, then none of them can be so important that they, that they give you something that would make not winning the game possible or something like that. Yep. All of that said, I was basically 
into the puzzles. I really got into the exploration. It really became a really exciting experience for me after the first five to seven hours or something like that. Um, one thing that I really did like about it is it doesn't give you directions of like, go here or do that. It's like, this is happening to an island to the north, or this is happening on an island where there's a volcano or, you know, and you're actually like scrutinizing this map and looking at it and looking for clues for where the next place might be. And, and there's several times where I was just smart enough to look at the map and say, oh, I should do this. Yeah. And also at the same time, there's a few times where I would look at the map and I'm like, well, I'm in the area, I'm going to explore this. And I explored it. It almost was like a joke where something obviously bad happened. And I was just kind of like, after I kind of learned the logic of the world, I was just like, I don't know what I thought would happen. Like that is exactly <laughs> what should have happened because I just like went to this dangerous cliff side that had no reason that I should be there. And then somebody like fell off the cliff or, you know, that didn't ex exactly happen, but it was something <laughs> like that where I would get, I'd just be like, I'm going to take this random exploration. Um, a few times it did result in something good. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, it was a waste of time or it was actively detrimental. Yeah. And that's what we were doing. Yeah. But and, that is exactly what we were doing before. Yeah. And so once I was just like, I'm not going to explore anything unless I have a reason or I have a lead that it, that leads me to believe this is something important. Yeah. By the end, I was really engaged in the whole thing. When I finished it, then I was like, awesome. You get to score yourself. You can do better next time. You cross off everything you found and it gives it kind of unlocks a little boost so you get a few more starting quests next time. So I have leads that I didn't have or things like that. And at that point, I kind of said, okay, I appreciate what Sleeping Gods is. I do want to have this experience again, but it probably won't be for a year. And when I do, it's probably going to be like, I have a week where I just feel like playing Sleeping Gods. I'm going to set it up. I'm yeah. going to do the same thing. I am never going to, I don't think I'm ever going to play it with anybody else because I, I, I yeah. didn't enjoy it as much. And I don't think I would enjoy having to, it would just slow it down so much. It was already plenty long. And that was with me like speed reading in my head through things, skipping over. They, it is nice because after each story segment, they sum up what happens, which is awkward when you first read it because you read this thing. And then there's like this one in parentheses and it's like, you met a woman and she said, you suck. And I'm like, what? And then I'm like, oh, that's just a summary of this like whole massive thing of text that I just oh, read. Yeah. And so once you get into the game or you're playing through the same adventures, you can kind of just skip and just kind of get the gist. Mm -hmm. Or if you just don't care anymore, you can just get the gist and get to the next decision or plot point or whatever. And so that's where I landed on Sleeping Gods. I think it's immersive. It's really amazing. It is a mind-boggling amount of threads to connect and work that must have went into it. Yeah. I think there's probably people that it's amazing for, but I also feel like... It is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're only going to play it once or twice, it's not for you. If you are not into kind of like the slow pace of, especially if you're going to play it with people, it's just like, I'm, I'm positive there's groups who want to play this together. Oh, yeah. It's not any groups that I play with. Yeah, with a group, it just was slow. It just felt halting and, yeah. and just like, you just couldn't get up started <laughs> yeah like and i was and yeah, again it and, was early i was confused of how the crew worked and i'm just like am i supposed i'm like because it was like you went on this adventure and i'm like you're controlling these three characters does that mean three these three characters are in the caves with you and we're back on the boat mm -hmm. and it, so it was kind of awkward we were like 
is this just one character who's doing this or is it everyone um yeah. as a group it was just kind of and who confusing. knows maybe yeah maybe it'd be better now that you know but i don't know if i'll i don't think i'll ever go back and visit it no and I mean, there's just so many more <laughs> games to play i am intrigued uh by hearing how it was for you solo that mm-hmm. does sound intriguing but i just don't know if i would ever do that well and that's the thing is like I, I think it's all these things, but it's, and this is not a slight on you, but I'm just like, I don't want to play it with you. <laughs> I don't want to play it with anybody. It is a, it is like reading a book. Yeah. And like, it wouldn't be fun. I mean, it would be kind of fun. I maybe, but like if you were reading a book uh-huh. and every time you read the book, I'd be like, Hey, I want to read that book too. Can you sit here and read it out loud to me? Right. That might be fun, especially if you have like a little kid or something. Yeah. But if you're reading a novel, you it's going to make the... No- it just changes the experience so much. Totally. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> so here is something that I considered. I have been playing around with the Pub Meeple ranking engine, which is an app that we were playing with it at the bar that one time watching oh, yeah. a hockey game where I was ranking board games. And yeah, basically- I was watching The Wild and you were ranking board games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you put in your collection or whatever list of games you want to rank and you start ranking the games. And I was like, I should probably do this again. It's been a few years. It takes a really long time when you have a collection of like four or 500 games or something. Yeah. I was doing it and I was like, da, 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 easy, easy, easy. I came to a screen where it pitted and to explain pub meeple ranking engine is a really cool way of ranking because it basically takes just two items randomly, puts them together and it says, which one, which one do you like better? And what's it called? It's called the Pub Meeple Ranking Engine. Pub Meeple? Yeah, the people who made it. Their, okay. Their group Pub is called Meeple. Pub Meeple, yeah. And so you, it just says like, hey, here is Pandemic and Great Western Trail. Which one do you like better? And then you hit Great Western Trail. And then it kind of like slides those into an order and you yeah. just keep making it's like one. A, on- it's just a tournament bracket. Sure. That's probably a sports thing, but so I don't know it's about March that. March Madness. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's not, you don't have to do any of like thinking about, I'm going to order them. It's just like, you just say yes or no to these questions. Gloomhaven versus Sleeping Gods came up. Ooh. And a lot of times I'm just like, this one, this one, this one. And I sat there and I looked at it and I was just like, I don't know which one I like better. Yeah. And of course, it's always it's always subjective. It always depends on and in, like when I rank, I always think of like the best case scenario. So that way, when yeah. a Vital Lacerda, the gallerist, comes up versus Skull, I'm like, okay, well, the gallerist is in the best case scenario playing this big three four hour game versus the best case where you're playing Skull, mm-hmm. which is a, like a little bluffing bar game. So they're completely different. And I'm just like best case scenario if I'm presented with a day where. Either I'm at an uh, outing with the best people to play this game with or an outing with the best people to play this game, which which one I'd rather do. And it was really hard for me to pick between these two because, again, best case scenario for Sleeping Gods is how I played it. Playing by yourself. Playing by myself, putting on a soundtrack that was very evocative. I believe I put on David Fenn. Check out his work. He does a lot of video game soundtracks, very adventurous and, and playful, but um, mm-hmm. kind of all sorts of stuff. He's a really good composer. Or playing Gloomhaven and that one is playing with somebody because Gloomhaven shines when you are having those decisions that you wanted to have in I really like that yeah and I also like Gloomhaven how it's like chunked out where it's just like here's your dungeon crawl Mm -hmm. 
And then here's a story. Yep. And that is, ex- yeah. And, and then so, here's your dungeon crawl. And then here's a story. Yep. And, in, and, and, yeah. And so that one is very much like you are going into a, uh, a dungeon and you will be in there for an hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And when you're making decisions, that is a game where, I mean, it really breaks down to being like. That's a perfect example of what I was trying to yep, that, talk I, about that's before. That's probably the yeah. game you were thinking of because that one is very much like, I can take care of this. Can you deal with this so I can play this card and charge up or, you know, do whatever. And so that one, you're in constant communication with your team. Yeah. You know? And I like that. Mm-hmm. And it's a great, I mean, it's, it's amazing. What's different about Sleeping Gods and Gloomhaven is Gloomhaven is tied to that structure so tightly that it will never break free of it. It's always going to be go into a dungeon and fight, then go back to town and make some decisions and gear up. Yeah. Then go to a dungeon and fight. And, and it does have a story, but the story is an excuse to go to the dungeon. The narrative space for Sleeping Gods is anything. Anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Wild, crazy things happen. I met screaming robots and I brought them to an iceberg to cool them off. And they gave me a secret mission and like... Seriously? Uh-huh. That's amazing. That's a spoiler. That's fun. Spoiler alert. Screaming robots? Yeah, it was this robot <laughs> that wouldn't stop screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and like and then it turned out and i'm again i'm gonna spoil 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 it was this robot it wouldn't stop screaming um somehow i realized it was super hot so i brought it to an iceberg and i landed on this iceberg and the sleeping ro- or the screaming robot cooled off enough and then basically he was a soul trapped in this robot i left him there and he thanked me for bringing his soul to a point where it could rest or something i'm, I'm totally butchering what exactly would happen but that's yeah. basically what happened yeah that's cool there can be puzzles, like actually written puzzles. There's scavenger hunts. There's all sorts of different things. So Sleeping Gods, Variety. just the breadth of Sleeping Gods is so much bigger. Yeah. Gloomhaven is very granular. Every single person moving three steps matters. Where Sleeping Gods is more of like brushstrokes, where it's just like this kind of thing happens and this kind of thing happens. And then you meet this thing and it's yeah. it's much more of that. So I like that brushstroke. They're totally different. And, and that's kind of how I felt. Um, and I don't remember which one I pushed now. <gasps> I had it there sitting for days oh. though, you know, thinking about this podcast too. And I was like, which one am I going to push? Yeah. And in the end, I guess it doesn't really matter because they both have a place on my, sh- well, it's not true. I sold Gloomhaven. Yeah. You have the small one. I do have the small one, which I feel like is enough. Interesting. I guess I didn't think about that. <laughs> Although I might bring it back. And Gloomhaven also is releasing Frosthaven, which is basically the exact same size, but a new one. And I'm kind of like, well, maybe I kind of want that one where they're going to file off some of the rough edges. For instance, I loved the book that had the layouts of the dungeons. So you didn't have to dig through the tiles and build the dungeons because that always took a long time. Yeah. Anyway, not a Gloomhaven review, but (laughs) (laughs) that pretty much sums up what I think about Sleeping Gods. Yeah. And what you think. That is true. That sums up what I think. Um, even though I did have this amazing adventure, I do not think for a second that you should have like, you know, cause you were kind of like, going. should I, should we even talk about this? Cause I didn't keep going. And I was just like, yeah, like that's a super valid experience. That's a, that's a more valid experience than the experience I had in the fact that people's time is valuable Yeah, and some people are going to want to sit around and dig for that. Some people are going to find it right off the bat. Some people are going to think it's super interesting and just be intrigued by the stories you are having, but but a whole lot of people are going to be like, this is too much an investment for me. This is more than I want. Yeah. And I think Sleeping Gods is getting so much hype right now that it felt like 
uh, it was really hard to get. It was kind of out of print. So I feel like it was just a lot of FOMO probably that was building all of this hype and anticipation. And same thing with me where I, I didn't see it around. I actually saw it once and I didn't buy it. And then I didn't see it around for months and months and months. And so when it finally did come back in stock, it was kind of like, well, I better just grab this because I might not have a chance to again anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I, so I just think that that FOMO was making it feel like it was a game for everyone. Right. I don't think like it's a it was game like a everyone. wingspan game. Yeah. Or an Azul. Not, yeah. Maybe not an Azul, but yeah. Just like a game that. Or it was like, oh, it's, well, it's not available. So it must be really good. Yeah. And I should probably get it the next time it comes around. Yeah. And I think if you're a like D&D type lover, a role playing game lover, things like that, you'll probably enjoy it more than Casey, who is very much like an economic strategic engine builder kind of gamer where you really like those systems of just being like, I have a puzzle to solve or I have a, you know, so you kind of like put together those things, those smaller, tighter experiences that are just like, I'm going to do these things. And if you're kind of meandering and and looking around and chasing dead ends, it's just kind of you're just like... nothing's happening yeah i want to like those because i think they just seem so neat and i love stories and but i just yeah i just have not liked any of the ones that i've played (laughs) yeah well that's (laughs) fine there's there's a whole world of games out there that's true are not for me and not for you we just don't talk about them on the podcast because we just don't talk steer clear of them why would we talk about stuff we both don't like or i just don't buy them because i'm just like i know that i won't really like that but it's worth it you know i'm not a super narrative gamer i got rid of most of my narrative games but sleeping gods i wanted to give a shot to i'm glad that i did it's gonna stay in my collection maybe Mm -hmm. forever so it's worth doing those things but it's probably the one i need and now i'm good i don't need another one because i'm like if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do sleeping gods yeah and especially because it sounds like there's still so much of this game for you to explore yeah totally i could probably play through the entire campaign again and avoid going to any place i went the first time yeah except for maybe the the first place where you start the game i guess we'll see cool well that's that so that's Sleeping Gods. Casey just yawned, so maybe she needs to take a sleeping nap. I'm a sleepy god. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, what Evie thinks. It's true. Yeah, well, I'm excited for next time where I, I think we have either Concordia mm-hmm. or Dwellings of Eldervale. I think we're going to do Dwellings of Eldervale because I've already started the notes for Ooh, it. Ooh, <laughs> perfect. I'm excited. That'll be a fun one to talk about next time. Yes, that one is much more up casey's alley oh yeah i like it oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right um and with that do you want to tell people where they can find us shufflebuddies.com it's a one-stop shop shufflebuddies.com and from there you can find links to our twitter to our instagram yeah that is just like the that's the place to go to our board game geek guild to our everything to our list of games we've discussed on the podcast in case you want to do any research or find back issues, episodes. Yeah. But yeah, I think on Twitter, it's shuffle underscore buddies. Instagram is shuffle underscore buddies underscore pod. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do board game geek stuff? Yes. And you can find our guild. We are boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash. 8713. <laughs> 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 Three. Three one eight seven. That's very. That's closer. <gasps> that's closer. Um, boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash three eight three six. Three eight three six. Yes. <laughs> okay. Two threes, 
an eight and a six. Three, eight, three, six. Three, eight, three, six. 38 is the age I'll be soon. 36 is the age I am now. Three, eight, three, six. Okay. Well, that's pretty <gasps> oh, easy. Oh, it's kind of like 36, 37, 38. 38, 37, 36. Three, eight, three, <laughs> six. <laughs> I'm going to remember it next time. Okay. Well, now everyone has it ingrained in their head. Three, eight, three, six. I'll also go ahead and say my name on Board Game Geek is Teen Wolf Dude. Mm -hmm. So if you want to send me a message or see me posting, that's what I am there. Casey, you can give out your name on Board Game Geek. You never look at it, but you can. I think it's Cassandra Danger. Probably is Cassandra Danger. Yeah. And also, maybe you're not the kind of person who's on the social media. Maybe you are... Stuck in the past, man. Maybe you just don't want to go out and put your information on the social webs. So you can always email us as well. So still digital, but... Still digital. But a little you more old school. Yeah. But hopefully at this point you have an email address. And that is shufflebuddiespodcast at gmail.com. Oh, So neat. if you're not comfortable going on and posting in the public and the view of all, send us an email and tell yeah. us what you think of the podcast, a game you think we would like. Uh, something you'd like to hear us talk about anything like that i like that cool well and with that should we shuffle away we should Is shuffle underscore buddies underscore pod. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do board game geek stuff or should we just say go to the website? You do the work. We've already worked. We've already done all this work for you. Don't be so ungrateful. Doopy doopy doop. Chris is looking at his board game geek. Yes, and you can find our guild. We are boardgamegeek.com.